You're listening to St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. This weekend, uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, we celebrated uh, the feast day of Our Lady of Lourdes. And it's kind of interesting, one year ago, um, I was in Lourdes. That's, y'all remember, that's when I got COVID. Kind of wonder about that, huh? To go to Lourdes and get COVID. It's not supposed to be like that. But we think of healing when we think of Our Lady of Lourdes, right? And then our readings today speak about, in large part, the commands of God or the law of God and our disposition towards those. And I'd like to tie a few things together that we've spoken about over the course of the last year. It's so important for us to remember the anthropology, as we would say, of how our relationship with God works. How do we, how do we live as human beings and what makes us tick? What brings us into right relationship with God? Because it is a process. It is a process of getting better. St. Paul mentions that in our second reading today, we'll come back, but about those who are mature. What does he mean by that? And so we look at our readings today and we hear in our first reading about what is being set before us, the commands of God, their goodness, and that we have a choice. We have a choice. We can choose between good and we can choose between evil. We are free beings and that is a, the very, very low level of what we would call freedom. Freedom has different levels. Freedom of choice is the first and it's the lowest. And when I say that, I'm, for example, are we free, so to speak, to play a concerto by Beethoven when we're just beginning to take piano lessons? The answer is no. The answer is no. We're not free to do that. We can't make that choice. Why? Well, because, you know, we're working on Mr. Middle C. For those of you who have taken piano lessons before and know who Mr. Middle C is, I hit Mr. Middle C so many times that I stopped. I gave up. I was tired of hitting him. But eventually you get better and you become free for excellence, and that is to play different pieces. And if you're really, really good, at some point you can pick up Beethoven, right? And so we think of this process of freedom, the baseline is the freedom of choice. And last year we spoke about something that I think is so important for us as Christians. And that is what is God's disposition and what is our disposition? And God's disposition is our good. He created us good. He wants us to be in right relationship with him. He has relentlessly pursued us to the point of sending his son, Christ, to die on a cross so that we could see the good. He loves us and all he wants for us is goodness. True goodness that makes us truly happy. Our disposition, because we have a fallen nature, is that we don't see the good. I mean, we can kind of see it. But with original sin, our vision has become blurred, our intellect has become dimmed, and then we see things not for what they are in their goodness, but we see them as the world sees them maybe. And so we need the help, and that's the disposition we have to have, is of humility. We need the help. And so we look at the process of salvation. How does that work? And I'm sure you all have been asked this question at some point or another in your life, maybe from our non-Catholic brothers and sisters, almost always. Are you saved? 
are you saved? And if you don't immediately say yes, the person will say, if you don't know you're saved, then you're not saved. I had that in Washington, D.C. one time, and, you know, the collar attracts people, and I'm walking, and there were street evangelizers. He's a nice young fellow, but he walked up to me, and he says, are you saved in front of a crowd? And I was like, yes, and I walked away. And I didn't want to deal with it, you know? I wasn't being completely truthful, though. Because we know that in the process of salvation, the answer is yes, we have been saved. Jesus came and saved us, past tense. But we also know that Jesus continues to save in the working within us, and he will continue to save in the future. So while the, the, the actions of God for our salvation are complete, we are the work in progress. And we have to live in the life of his grace in order to continue that progress. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, right? And so while we have been saved on God's end, we gotta get, on, we gotta get in the game. We gotta play the game. And in that game, there are rules. And that's where we get to the commands. As we think of the commandments and what we're talking about in our first reading today and our gospel reading, we hear Jesus saying that you've got to be better than the scribes and Pharisees. So what does he mean by that? The scribes and the Pharisees were attached to the rules, the games. They did what they were told, but there was never a conversion of heart. They were worshiping a commandment. They weren't worshiping God. And so while they didn't see the commands as a tool to get us to God or a prescription for healing, healing the relationship between God and man. And when we think of Our Lady of Lords and healing, we think of God's actions all throughout history, it can be summed up in simply the word healing. Healing our relationship. And in order to heal our relationship, we got a prescription. And think about it, guys. You know, we go to the doctor, we're sick. He gives us a prescription, a list of things to do. We don't like them, necessarily. I don't want to take that medicine that doesn't taste so good. I don't want to have to do these things that he lays out. But in the end, the healing process takes place, maybe physical therapy if it's something orthopedic or, or, or some other type of longer-term treatment. But it eventually brings out healing. we got to kind of trust the doctor, don't we? Got to trust him. And so that's what we're asking here is to trust God. And in that, we are then able to move towards that disposition of heart where we are truly good. We don't even want to break the commands. And so the commandments are kind of like training wheels on a bicycle for all of us. Like training wheels on a bicycle. And you think about it, a parent is teaching a child how to ride a bike. They get old enough, they get big enough, they're able to be able to pedal. So get them on a bike, but you put on training wheels, right? What do the training wheels do? A couple of things. First is they help the child not to fall and hurt themselves. That's what the commandments do for us. They're bright lines. We might not even recognize that we would hurt ourselves any more than a child would recognize that when they fall, they're going to skin a knee or, or an elbow or worse. So we put on the training wheels and to help protect us, but then it also helps to teach us how to ride. 
In other words, you know, initially you see the child got on it and the, and the wheels are going back and forth and back and forth. You know, every time one of the sides of the wheels hits the ground, that would be a fall, you know, right? But it's not now. And then we begin to take the training wheels off and usually the, I see parents, you know, holding the seat. I let a child ride with the seat without the training wheels, but they're still there to protect them. And then little by little, the child gets the bounce and the skill and understands, and they don't even have to think about how to ride a bike. They just get on and they do it. They're able to stop at the end of the driveway so they don't go into the street. They're able to make the turn onto the sidewalk. We become more skilled. It becomes second nature, what we would call co-natural. That's what the commands do for us. And in the end, what the goal is, is that we don't need them. We just do it. And so I like to use the seventh commandment as an example of this. Seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal. So we have the level of someone saying, you can't steal. And you think of it as a child, we don't know why it's bad to take our brother's or sister's cookies, right? We just can't do it. Mom says, no, 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 that belongs to someone else. Don't do that. And we don't see the wrong. That's our vision. That's our vision. And then we're told, don't take it, and you're going to be punished if you do. And so we don't do it because we don't want mom and dad to, to give us a spanking. And then in the end, hopefully, the thought is, okay, I see someone else has something that is truly good. I would never take it away from them because I wouldn't want to deprive them of the good that they have. And that's love, seeking the good of another. That is love. And as we think of the commandments, you know, Paul talks about the fact that, you know, we are now under the law of grace, not under the law of the commands in different places. But he also says the law is a monitor or a babysitter until the law of grace is completed. So we are all under the law of God, the commandments to follow them. We're just not yet complete. Again, the process of salvation. And we have to have that humility and the disposition to look at it and say, we need the help. And we trust Christ and his church to teach us the commands, to keep us in a state of goodness so we don't hurt ourselves and we don't hurt our relationship with God. And once that's perfected, then we are in right relationship. And all of us have different struggles. All of us have different weaknesses and faults and all of us have different sins. So some of these sins, some sins may be very easy for us. I'm not tempted to steal, but then again, I have plenty. I've got what I need. Someone else may be very tempted to steal because they don't have enough or they're just greedy. Who knows? I have another set of sin complexes. Maybe I like, maybe I like food too much, right? We all have these things to work on. But in the end, we have to look at the standard, the cure, the commands to get us to true goodness. And in our second reading today, St. Paul talks about the wisdom of the world that rejected the wisdom of Christ. And today, obviously, we are going through an awful lot of not just contradictory values to our Christian values, but actually becoming hostile. And I would propose to you, if we're going to think of the wisdom of the world, what it teaches us, whether it's in marriage and family and all of the other things that go to the heart of our Christian life, the heart of our relationship with God, who is more credible? 
And I kind of laugh. You think of the world. The world right now can't tell the difference between a man and a woman. Right? Silliness, huh? Are we really going to give worldly wisdom any sort of credibility in anything else? Really? Or are we going to trust Christ and his church who has been here for thousands of years and has brought goodness and so many saints and so many people that we know and love? Who are we going to trust? Who are we going to trust? And so we look at our lives as we are coming upon, you know, party gras, but Ash Wednesday. Let's look and see who we trust. Where are we having problems with the commands? What are these impediments to our relationship with God to allow us to be able to grow closer to him, even if we can't quite see the goodness, even if we don't quite understand? Christianity at its core, at its very beginning, is basically we do it and then we understand. Same thing as a child, that we tell them just do it. Look both ways before you cross the street. Later on, they'll understand. There was a beautiful story that was told by someone who was presenting to us priests last week. We had a priest conference at the Chancery, a couple of days of ongoing formation for us. And as I listened to him, he told a story at the end uh, about playing hide and seek. And hide and seek, they're the rules of the game, huh? And consider that maybe the world, the world, the worldly rules of the game of hide and seek. And he had three or four kids, he said, and two of them, I think, I can't remember exactly, but he had two that were like between five and seven and then maybe a friend. And then he had a three-year-old girl who was playing with them. So, of course, dad he put his hands over his eyes. Kids went off somewhere. And so he waited. They were all settled. Here I come. And so he starts moving around, kind of, you know, pretending that he didn't know where they were. And as he moved closer to them, he could hear them start to rustle a little bit behind whatever they were. And as they got close enough, the boys, the older ones, they scattered. They scattered to get away. They didn't want to be found. The three-year-old girl ran to him and hugged him, put her arms out and he bent down and she grabbed him by the neck and she said, Daddy, I just want you to hug me for a long, long time. He thought initially, oh, she yeah, baby, you don't get the rules of the game. You don't get the rules of the game. Of course, later he said, and you all know, he said, man, she got it better than anybody else. She knew to keep her eyes on the prize. That is our relationship with God, our Father, who seeks to love us and to know us better. Well, he knows us. He seeks to have us know him and wants us to only have a good life in a fallen world. Where are we running towards him, trusting him, and knowing that he will bring us to where we need to be? Lent is a time of healing through prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. Then we can have a good Easter, a new life. All things are made new in Christ, that continuing process that we have. Let's make sure we take advantage of it over the next week and a half. Whether it's Mardi Gras or the Super Bowl or anything else that the world is doing, let's make sure we're running towards our Father and asking Him to hold us for a long, long time.